Greetings, salutations, hello. Did you get that hello, Monty? You want to record it? Okay. So I'm here today, um, just chilling, relaxing on a Friday. Um, I got a special guest today, Mr. Noah Solace, a.k.a. Brother Noah, um, the thousand-faced man. Yeah, hi. Thank you for having me. Excited to be here. You're awfully relaxed today, sir. Absolutely. I've been um, relaxed as of late. I've been meditating more and just, you know, finding. That's good because you was kind of melting down midsummer. So that's good. (laughs) No, I wasn't melting down. That was that was like the that that was the hype up. You know, I was doing a bunch of shows or Zoom Zoom shows and gearing up for all the commercials that was rolling in in the fall so yeah i don't um, a meltdown okay okay mm-hmm. we can go with that so how how have you been otherwise well i've been great um you know great. trying to stay safe and consistent in this pandemic um Ooh. theater theater as you know is uh shut down no nobody is doing any live theater but uh, I've, I've I've been able to maintain with uh, short films and commercials. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been traveling the DMV a lot, um, mostly Virginia. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just doing little quick bits there to keep the bills paid. Um, and great that you started with that because one of the things that I wanted to say out loud is uh, us artists, performers, people who are returning back to some makeshift form of. Uh, performing again, please be mindful, comedians, you know, musicians, be mindful that there is an uptick in these numbers uh, because a lot of us have gone back to a semblance of normalcy. And I'm not blaming that on just artists because restaurants are to blame, government official buildings are to blame, all across the board. We're all contributing to this uptick. Uh, but what one of the things that I would really greatly appreciate is that we use this technology that um, has started to be created simply out of this foolishness. So as we go back to some type of semblance of work, be mindful that, you know, everybody on that crew isn't doing what they're supposed to be doing. So is it really worth your life? Is it really worth, you know, trying to get the bag or get back to work? And that's not that's not a knock to you, Noah, uh, but just in general, because I've noticed uh, since, you know, people have gone back to filming and such, people are just dropping a lot of the caution uh, that uh, had been set up prior to that. Um, and because you get a, you know, uh, because you get a thermometer test doesn't mean that you're good um, because you're simply wearing your a mask isn't good. Those things are preventative measures to kind of bring down a percentage of people who could get it. So it's one of the things that I want to say, because I just see a lot of people going back to normal. And it's, I've, I've even uh, added to that. And one of the things that I'm just trying to do now is, you know, work within the boundaries that are set upon me. Um, and I'm real leery about even going out to do other projects. It's just not, I don't feel like it's really worth, um, it's not worth getting sick. It's not, it's not worth seeing these numbers go spike back up as they are, because obviously our leadership, specifically in Maryland, uh, is piss poor. 
uh, Governor Hogan declared a state of emergency, but changed nothing, nothing, because nobody is taking him seriously because he's been flip-flopping this whole time. So nobody is really taking it seriously. A lot of people went back out to work, and I think that's weird. I think that's abnormal, but just be safe. Be safe. You know, I know it's 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 a moment where we're trying to get back to work, but directors, playwrights, uh, uh, shop owners, theater owners, please do not rush back to this. Do not, you know, we have a platform here that we can use right now. I know it's not the normalcy for a lot of uh, performers, and a lot of them don't like it because they're used to an applause, but get over yourselves um, because you're not only killing yourselves, you may remain healthy, but you may take that back to another rehearsal hall or home and harm somebody that may not have the you know, strength that you have. So that's just be mindful of those things. But since I just <laughs> blasted you, I'm sorry, it wasn't directed towards you, but that was something that I wanted to say earlier because I... I was asked to do something and it was not a safe environment. Um, and I'm not going to blast them, but I'm just going to, you know, wait and see how many people from that group gets it because it was, they wasn't taking it seriously. Absolutely. And I think everything you said is real and important. Um, and it really falls down to the individual. Um, everybody needs to remain vigilant. Everybody needs to remain safe and follow the guidelines that is, kept us through these last six or seven months. But I think um, it's just, uh, I, don't, I don't want fear to be an element and fear to judge people's um, approach to what they want to do when it comes to, um, you know, re, you know, re-enveloping them, themselves back into society. Mm-hmm. I, now, now, for a lot of pockets of our society, they are falling to a sense of normalcy. But I think for uh, the working artists now, especially uh, in the in the professional circuit, um, mm-hmm. it's 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 not a sense of normalcy as it is a sense of um, adaptation. Um, for all the for all the sets that I've been on, even before we got on sets, uh, a lot of the contracts are updated and clear that um, it's not just the thermostat. If you are having symptoms that you speak up and the filming is held um, until, until further notice, until you get a, a, a new test and, and, what, and what have you. The language is also, just, just from what I've been working, the language is clear on um, trying to prevent you um, from going out in un- unnecessary places to uh, make yourself a high risk to bring it back to the set. And the language, again, is clear on protocols uh, of, of, of cleanliness and mask and just being accepting the fact that if the filming has to stop, it will stop versus the producer's greed that, that, that means mm-hmm. or overlook things. So um, be cautious, be vigilant, as I said, but don't let fear stop you because like me, I'm a full-time artist. Um, I'm not a teaching artist anymore. So um uh, these these off-bit commercials and short films is how I'm living and how I'm eating now. So um, even though it's not essential work, you know, I'm not saving lives. I'm, I'm keeping people entertained. I've given my life to art. So I am taking a risk, but I take this. If, if, if the media is saying this is how our lives is going to be for a while, then 
I'm I'm just early on 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 the game. So what next March in 2021? It's 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 going to be an in, influx of actors and things wearing wearing masks and 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 doing the thermostat. So what we're doing now is what's going to be for theater, for commercials, for film for the next couple of years. And that's and I totally agree. But I don't want to miss I don't want to mince words. Um, and I and this is the same argument that I went through with the director that I was um, asked to join something that they were doing. And uh, for me, it's not fear mongering uh, because the facts is the numbers are going up and we're over 10 million deaths at this point. Well, not 10 million deaths, but uh, 10 million, 10 million um, cases of United States wide. Our, our state numbers are looking like numbers in other countries, uh, of, of in other countries. But I, I don't want to, um, as I said to him, it's not, I can simply walk away from this. It's not something that uh, I'm choosing to do. And I'm not telling everybody to do what I'm doing, but I'm just simply saying be safe because I've seen a lot of what's going on and it's not all, um, it's not all, um, it's not all safe because people aren't following the proper protocol. And I'm, 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 there are a lot of places that are, but I'm speaking specifically to those people who are just trying to get back to work. Um, and if you get back to work, you are actually um, aiding in the ignorance and the, the illnesses, people getting sick, because people are actually dying from this. Um, and I'm not um, fearful uh, as much as I am vigilant and aware, as you said, on the flip side of that. Um, performing means a lot to me and a lot of to a lot of people that I know, but safety has to be first because these upticks are happening. We're, we're back in stage one because people are just going back to normal and they're dropping all the precautions that they have been put into place or they've been you know, actively pursuing up until this point. And I, I just want people to just remain vigilant and be safe. Follow the, if it takes six months to do a project versus three, two months, do that, you know, invest in the lives of the people you're with and not just trying to pursue a career. Because if you're not here to pursue a career, what career are you pursuing? Like, if this doesn't make any sense. And that may sound a little crazy to people, but Let's just be mindful. Let's just be mindful. That's it. Um, and I don't want to make a big deal out of it right now, but just stay mindful and staying safe is all that I'm doing. Um, staying stay mindful and staying safe is very, very important, but I'm, I'm appreciative um, for all those who are continuing their work. Mm -hmm. They are... Um, Again, as I said, adapting to the situation as we all will have to eventually when we leave our our home. So um, I'm appreciative because this is this this could be a renaissance period. They're they're saying these these same folks that you're getting these facts for the upticks of the numbers. They are the same ones that are saying that our lives and the way we used to live it will be changed forever. Mm -hmm. So uh, that being said, these folks who are early on the ball of the work are simply going to be doing what you're going to do six months to seven months down, down, down the line. So I am appreciative that you are giving them a reminder, but it, it shouldn't be a jam in the face of 
fear. Not saying that you're that you're doing that, but there are a lot of people who are, sh- you know, uh, shaming them or, or or pointing the finger, saying that you're you're the reason why you're 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 causing Corona to kill all all these folks now on this second wave. Um, but I just well, I, we're on the third wave actually. The third wave, moving mm-hmm. forth. <laughs> and then, and and as in many different spaces, and when we go through things, is. I, I want the, the individuals who feel attacked to understand people just want to remain safe. People are dying at alarming rates and it's contributed to coronavirus or directly because of coronavirus. And it's, uh, it's not, I don't feel ashamed about every time I get on this platform, throwing out that warning. Um, but as we saw, like in the summertime, just on platforms like this, we saw many people go back to uh, their stations and you starting to look at these shows and they're not wearing any masks uh, and they're not protecting themselves. They're not sitting apart. You're sitting in a room that's already, you know, small or, or smaller uh, and you are conducting business as normal. And that those are the individuals that I'm talking to. I understand that we're not going to go back to a norm as we were used to, but it doesn't mean that we don't have to use precaution and take our time. Um, and I know a lot of people are suffering financially, you know, right now, you know, in terms of us being performance artists, theaters are shut down and theaters that thought they could, you know, go back to uh, some type of norm where it was limited seating are realizing that's not really where we're ready to go back yet. And I know we're going to end up kind of living like this for the next probably like five to 10 years, actually. But we got to take our time because it's too much uh, confusion going on in our healthcare system and our political system right now for us to risk life. Uh, or the lives of others, just simply so there can be art in the world. There's always going to be art in the world. There has been art in the world over the last eight and a half, almost nine months now, and there's nothing going to change that. But just being mindful and being vigilant and being responsible to the things that people are seeing, because what's happening is everybody's taking these photos and letting people know what's the inside of their rehearsals are looking like. And that's the reflection of that is then people saying, well, I'm going to get back to work. I'm going to go. But everybody is not using the proper protocol. We're not seeing how these these, um, new contracts are looking. We're not seeing the conversations that are happening at the reading, the first reading, table reading. We're not hearing those conversations. We're just seeing the work being done. And that means, well, if this person can get back to work, I can open up my restaurant or I can open up my boutique and not realizing, you know, what that means. You know, a lot of the restaurants are being very selfish as to not understanding, you know, you have people in your restaurant. That means people are touching surfaces. People are handling things. People are going into the restaurant. People are pulling out chairs and the proper work isn't being done because if 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 what you're saying is completely true, we wouldn't have these upticks and it's not blaming the entertainment field, but we are both entertainers. So I specifically spoke to that environment. If you're in a restaurant field, you speak to that environment, but uh, I'm just saying, let's be mindful of, of the thing. And I'm, I'm speaking over myself. I just took part in two different projects over the, the last three months or so. And the second one, I didn't feel comfortable. I just didn't, I didn't feel comfortable. And in this last audition that I went on, um, 
it just did not, it wasn't, it wasn't being handled correctly. So I get what you're saying and I understand the environments that you're in, but also understand the environments that I personally have seen myself. I've started to go back out and audition for things and be a part of programming, but it's not, I don't see people being completely safe. And that's, that's what I'm speaking to. And that's what I'm um, trying to warn against. And I don't want anybody to feel any kind of way, but I'm not going to not say anything when I see the wrongdoing happening with my own eyes. So um, just stay safe. You know, no, there's no knock to you or anybody you're working with, but just, you know, be mindful that we have, you know, to be, you know, examples for those people that you say are going to be next year trying this and jumping out there and doing it as well. But um, let's just do it right so we can be healthy and stay around. But beyond that, you said you are preparing for a couple projects. What projects are you currently working on? Um, as of right now, um, I'm still with Rappelin and Productions, and we have mm-hmm. uh, just finished a table read, a Zoom table read. For their season opener, um, you know, if things go well, uh, you know, we're we're just following the the rhythms of uh, the national theaters and just where things are going with the curve. But if things are going well, then hopefully mm-hmm. we can have a nice social distance play at Motor House um, in May of 2021. Uh, mm-hmm. Serious adverse effects. Um, you can you know follow my social media links just to get get more information on on that. It's mm-hmm. a uh, sci-fi. It's a sci- sci-fi film or sci- sci-fi play, mm-hmm. uh, all 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 black cast, uh, black women leading, um, and it's about uh, intergenerational pain, trauma, uh, healing, health, meditation, spirituality, and technology. So mm-hmm. it's a very interesting play. Are you directing this? Yes. Okay. Um, in terms of uh, directing in a new world like that we're in currently. Um, what are what are the things that you're now preparing yourself for that you haven't had to prepare yourself for in the uh, past? Well, just just the uh, just the PPE, uh, making sure that like our rehearsal spaces are ventilated. What it would look like, um, you know, when we start having in person re- rehearsals, if things are going well. Um, Who's wearing masks? Who's not wearing wearing masks? You know, just keeping up the idea of uh, if you know it are are masks wore all the way to tech, or you know, just thinking of 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 that. Keeping hand sanitizer, making sure that um, you know any surfaces that we are touching or the actors are touching or any designers in in the room are being sprayed down, and just mm-hmm. keeping uptick uh, or just an up up thought on. Um, cleanliness and just being prepared with with that and spacing of the theater um night because we won't be able to have quote-unquote uh sold out nights like it was before corona Mm -hmm. so how to maintain safe distance but at the same time uh, try to meet profit margins, um, which is difficult. I feel like you know, you you say that the restaurants being selfish. It is, and 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 in turn, many are. But it is this pending question of you know how how do I not be homeless? How do I maintain uh, you know my livelihood, but yet still maintain my life and safety? So it's it's a it's a tricky question. But back but back to me. Um, 
uh, the first half and a lot of our workings will be over Zoom. Um, again, we had our table read over Zoom. Mm-hmm. Uh, the commenter is going to have uh, her, her meeting over Zoom. Um, a lot of our conversations are going to be over phone phone call, just going in depth with character development and stuff. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, just on, on top of PPE and all the guidelines that the CDC has given us to, uh, you know, maintain a safe working environment, those those are the things that go in hand in hand. Um, in terms of... Uh uh, being adaptable to, in terms of the content itself, um, how are you adapting this so it would fit smaller audiences? Um, uh, will we see like a longer run of it, or um, will it will it be just a weekend or week? How are you adapting so, it to that? Uh, so Max Gardner is adding uh, an extra weekend to the run. Uh, usually mm-hmm. we run two weeks, but this time is running three. Okay. Uh, so that is our answer to the, I guess, 25% capacity in, in the theater. And just talking with, with the theater and, you know, just other technicians and, you know, folks who work with ventilations, um, things maybe that we can buy from Home Depot or any, you know, um, department store to help add ventilation into the theater um, mm-hmm. on top of whatever Motorhouse has. Um, and just thinking of things like like that, you know. Well, has it been a thought at all of because it's going to be in the spring, um, uh, maybe an outside production or? I thought about that, and that was in conversations. But I, I put that on the back burner myself as the director, only because I, I find myself to be a purist of theater. So being a purist of theater and trying to to adapt, there are things that I will accept and things that I just can't do. So I don't want to be, I don't want to fall subject to the whim of of weather when it when it comes to the show, and right. because the show is so. Uh, Tech, technologically heavy. Um, it's it's a lot of props and lights. So we 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 would really need a theater to um, really portray what the author wants. Okay. Um, outside of that, um, on the performance side of what you do, um, how has this this moment in time been helpful, or uh, you know, or what have been the obstacles outside of the, you know, what we know to be the obstacles right now, but um, being a regular artist is 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 hard because you often have to balance other projects that you're doing. Maybe if you have a quote unquote regular job, um, but just balancing life with now being an artist in this new world we're living in. What are some of the the unknowns that people wouldn't think would be obstacles for you? Um, I think just the sheer camaraderie of theater is what I missed. Um, Mm -hmm. Just being able to share space with creatives. I mean, Zoom calls and phone calls are great, but this is a a ethereal interconnected energy that is shared um, when you're with folks of like, like mindedness, Um, Mm -hmm. such a sharing and creative space like theater, um, especially if that's what you've been doing for years. um, It's a, it's therapeutic. It's a lot of, you you'd be surprised how important it was in your life when it's gone um and that can in turn bring loneliness even if you are con- contacting people it, it's a we're we're human beings you know we it's a sense of touch and and 
and being present versus this virtual world. Um, so that trying to stay busy um, mm -hmm. because yeah, I can, I'm a full-time artist now and I have been since December, 2019. Mm -hmm. um, and in the pandemic, I would say a lot of my days are spent applying for jobs and, you know, uh, just trying to find ways of gaining in income, but mm -hmm. in my art, but, um, you know, trying to maintain a sense of love and urgency and, and, and a sense of staying a student in the craft, mm -hmm. which would be hard. Like in the beginning of the pandemic, it was cool because it's like, okay, wow, we think it's going to be over. So I don't mind reading a bunch of acting books and doing a bunch of acting exercises and, you know, sharpening up on the craft. But seven months mm -hmm. into it, that's when you really see, okay, you know, it, it, am I honestly about this? You know, you're, 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 you're reevaluating your status as an, as an artist and where you stand with your, your art, you know, really mm -hmm. finding new depths and, and, and levels to it. I, th I mean, throughout this process, I saw a lot of artists that were totally against um, taking their artistry and putting it in digital formats. Um, I saw a lot of, I don't want to call it classism, but it, it, it just felt like we were um, in spaces where artists just refused to adapt to the temporary nature where we were, where we are and were at the, you know, at the beginning of this. Um, have you been affected by that or have you seen that? Uh, and I don't, I don't want to, I'm not bashing anyone because for, even for me, uh, there have been moments where I just didn't want to go live. I didn't want to be on a Zoom. I didn't want to, you know, in this teaching, I didn't want to teach in that format. I still don't. Um, I don't think what I teach is very much so uh, made for this platform, but yet and still where we are um, in terms of, you know, overall safety. Um, I just saw artists that just, I think it was part of their depression or our depression that did not, where we did not want to adapt. We just wanted things to be where they, where they are. Have you come to grips with we'll never be in a space or we may never be uh, in a space where this is possible as long as this uh, flu is uncontained? Well, to the folks who um, in the beginning stages and even right now who find themselves um, for the common thought, not to be adapting. I don't blame them. And I, I agree. As I often mentioned, I'm a purist of my art, which is acting and directing theater, you know, the, the entertainment and being able to envelop yourself into a different character. So uh, it, it is a sense of, from my training, from my experience, being in the space is what's needed. And regardless mm -hmm. of what your art form is, I understand why you couldn't, because this is all you know. This is your training. This is what you do. And maybe you feel like it just wouldn't have the same connection or weight um, if it is adapted to the digital form. So uh, more power to you, because that's mm -hmm. what that's the individual. That's what makes us the artist. Um, a sense of coming in the grips with it, I, I am. And the grips for me is... I guess, um, delaying and waiting. So mm -hmm. for example, um, I won't do uh, a Zoom play of this, of Rapid Lemon's series adverse effects if it comes down to it. 
I would just simply put a delay or wait on it, or maybe we just have to wait another season. I've I've done shows, I've done Zoom shows early in this pan pandemic, and you know they're great, they're good. It's not the same. Um, and as far as money, people aren't really finding a sustainable way to charge folks to come to a Zoom show to pay actors and designers, folks who make the virtual things. Um, so it isn't sustainable for my bills. Um, so, uh, I, again, to those folks who aren't, aren't adapting, you know, make it for yourself. If you're, if you're an artist, if you know, if visual art, you paint mm -hmm. for yourself, you're an actor, you act for yourself, make monologue videos. I don't know. Um, yeah. I think it's, it's, um, it's unfortunate in many situations because there are ways to use the platforms and these platforms ain't paying me to to market them in this way, but um, I just saw a lack of creativity when it came to using some of the platforms. I've been able to see possibilities and how it can be used uh, on a professional level. Um, I've seen many people who, who do have the resources be able to use it in certain ways. Um, and I just saw this as a period to rebuild and how and learn how to build in general with your artistry. Um, and I'm in a couple different areas of the arts, but I've been able to see how we could use it for our good um, in terms of marketing. Uh, it's the best place we could be at right now because most people are online more than what they have ever been. So they, they're catching the, the the newness of what we're doing. And I don't want to keep um, boxing myself in, but on the same side, I've just seen a lot of artists that use the the platform. There's a young man, uh, probably like mid-summer, um, instead of him using a regular art gallery, he built walls in the middle of an open field and just allowed people to come at will uh, and, and brackets of time um, and did like maybe pop up art galleries versus, you know, trying to just do it on a live platform or um, risk doing it inside of a, a natural art gallery. Um, but I, I've just seen, uh, I've seen people flourish in this that wouldn't normally flourish. Um, I've seen a lot of people uh, bite the bullet and learn uh, technology uh, like never before. I've seen these these technology or tech savvy individuals push what was the norm. I don't think anybody ever would have thought um, they would be doing a, a listening party via Zoom for an album release. I just saw, um, what is her name? I can't remember the name of the singer. Um, oh my God, I, I watched part of it. Um, but anyway, I've, I've just seen things happen in an irregular way. Um, in terms of, uh, Art now, how do you see us moving forward with this in the next couple, like the next year? So this time next year, how do you see us being able to move forward, minus whether we're still in a pandemic or not? Um, just thinking about the local things that I've seen and that I'm, I'm currently working with now. I can't really disclose a lot of information, but um, you know, just working with Single Carrot and Feldman Corner Theater. Um, they are utilizing uh, filmed monologues, and that's coming up in the pipe pipeline. 
uh, mentioning single carrot theater again they did a uh, theater show that was outside mm-hmm. the graveyard of their uh, theater um i think it was and, on the grounds of a church yes yes um and uh there was different scenes happening in different sections that allow mm-hmm. for distance and you're, you're, you're outside. So it was a great flow of air. Um, there have been some really trashy zoom shows and there have been some very interesting, intriguing and funny and very clever zoom zoom shows. Mm-hmm. But I, I feel like just like the scope of our land before there was a pan pandemic, if you're creative and you got it and it works, it's going to do it. If it's trash and it's not going to work, it's, it's, it's not going to go. It, it goes back to the zeitgeist of our art, you know, if, mm-hmm. is it good or is it bad? Um, so, so you're right. Um, there are folks even before the pandemic who followed the same curve, you know, did the same shows, did the same thing. So you can't really expect any different from them. Mm-hmm. And everyone is called globally to adapt. Um, they will do the same things. And for those who are younger, fresher, or just have more an, uh, of an, apt- an, 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 an aptitude to explore and accept still a student in their heart, um, those are the ones who are who, who flourish. And regardless of if it was a pandemic or not, those are the ones who would flourish in art, period because you allow yourself to learn and grow to continue to be a student. So you're always adapting because regardless if it was a pandemic, art changes what every five, every 10 years is new faces, is new styles. So if you ain't adapt, if you're not adaptable, you wasn't going to make it in the industry regardless. Mm-hmm. And I, and I, and I definitely agree with that. I just want people to be able to, um, I'm, I'm not a person that will ever push anybody out um, I tried my hardest not to ever um, grade art in terms of whether it's good or bad or because right now um, I saw a lot of people commenting on people's attempts to recreate a new platform for theater or such. Um, and it, it was unfortunate because we were all trying and everybody was trying in their own way to uh, be connected to it. Um, and I saw I saw some innovation. Um, and I saw, you know, people tap into innovation and then try that for themselves. Um, uh, but I, I definitely want to see where, what the results of this is in terms of how uh, people are making films and making theater and performing art, music, and that. I wanted to see the results of perfecting it in the next year and seeing how um it will be because in a blink of an eye, we got into this and now we're almost nine months into it. Uh, but just that fast, we can be out of it. Um, and I, I just, I don't want us to go back. Oh, we can go back to the normal filling of the seats. I want to still think about, you know, what could it be? You know, m- many people have not chosen to use environmental theater because it's just such a hassle, you know, uh, with lights and and set and and all those things, but environmental theater allows us to um, reach more people. It allows us to um, uh, be creative in a way that forces us to always be consistent. You have to be consistent when you're using anything outside because we don't know what the environment is going to be like. So you got to make sure your platform is consistent. But I, I'm just I'm I'm eager to learn. I I regret not going to see single carrots uh performance because i wanted to see how they use the environment 
how they used um, that big campus that they were on, that church campus that they were on. Um, and I was just eager to, to see just the innovation uh, on environmental theater, because it's one of the forms of theater we, we, we hear about the least because we have all these new types of theaters popping up. But uh, I'll definitely be looking at how that works. I know we're moving into winter, so environmental theater is <laughs> null and void. Uh, but um, uh, I like this new addition to theater um, in, in terms of it being digital and how we can kind of harness that in um, and, and make it profitable. Um, I think a lot of artists on a higher level have learned how to utilize it because they, they have a built-in audience already. But, um, but how do we then as our theater communities locally learn how to kind of harness in that audience and be able to use it. I think it's going to take a lot more communication. So we're not doing a bunch of things at the same time and things are generally spaced out better. Um, and uh, Rapid Lemon, uh, Max is good at communicating with other theaters. Uh, and I'm not saying he plans his schedule around other things, but he's good at communicating with what else is going on and, and piggybacking on marketing. So this will market the next thing that somebody else is doing and the last thing somebody did. Um, so uh, I want to see that used more. Um, how do you think uh, we've, we've used this time in terms of uh, the, the theater scene in, in, say, like Baltimore, the DMV, how have we been able to use this to, to be more united, in your opinion? Well, um, I have been, it's not really a lot of shows being uh, able to take place, uh, take place lo locally, mm -hmm. you know, budget, and a whole bunch of other reasons. Um, but as far as the communication is concerned, this is something that I've been talking to uh, you and a lot of artists uh, mm -hmm. around the scene in Baltimore for the last uh, year, uh, the last couple of years, actually. Mm -hmm. I think um, just as the old ways are pretty much dwindling away and we're seeing and shaping what the new style of art and art entertainment is going to be, mm -hmm. um, this blockade, and it's not like uh, gatekeepers. It's not not that. This is more of a blockade of the mind, um, greed and ambition um, mm -hmm. from visual. Yeah. That that's that's going to dwindle away, and um, those, they're being forced to. Those doors are being those walls are being broken down, and um, if if it doesn't, if if, if those folks who were holding these positions, who weren't communicating to hold some sense of uh, leverage and ambition, um, that's going to be gone soon. Um, Baltimore's theater scene hasn't reached a potential that it should have. So I would say like coronavirus was a good benchmark, right? Uh, a mm -hmm. good resting point to see what we have done over a certain period of time. And because of greed and ambition, because of um, of abuse and cancelers and and canceling folks, but not allowing bridges or creating policies of reconciliation and and backstabbing and backtalking, all of these ill things have caused this theater scene in Baltimore City to be on a 
on a gridlock to be held on the bottom. Yeah. We aren't where we could be now or where, where, where we should have been. Um, so we're on a new wave now, you know, we are starting a new bench. Um, there are new folks coming out, new, new creatives. And, and I noticed that these creatives who are starting to produce work in this time, communication is what they want and communication, regardless of what they want, it is what's needed because that communication is pulling together resources. Um, resources and pulling together our resources in this city is the only way we're going to th thrive and survive. Um, mm -hmm. There mm -hmm. be a theater company that has the talent and has the, sh uh, the story and the other theater company has the big enough building and money to direct specifically for ventilation, you know, just helping each other out and molding what our scene is going to be as we move forward um, and, you know, post, post Corona. Um, so yeah. it's, I mean, regard, that, that's why I said, if, if, if this has been uh, something that folks have been doing, it's over now. Um, it's dwindling away. And even if it's not anything you want to do, if you're going to maintain a, a sense of, uh, of position in this scene, communication and collaboration is necessity, not optional anymore. And it, I think uh, what it's also doing is forcing individuals to um, to not feel the need to cross over or be accepted by a specific audience that may have a, a hold on, you know, resources and such. Um, I think what I've learned um, through this is the power of ask. Um, many of the productions that I produced myself over the summer were greatly uh, um, uh, afforded to, to me and the other cast members because of the generous support of other people. Um, and I just saw that happening, um, but not necessarily being the only way, because I don't like to overtax uh, a, a ask and, and making that the primary reason. But I think a lot of us have um, felt what it felt like to receive a grant um, from organizations that normally make it very difficult. Uh, when you go to some of these uh, apps now, you these sites now, um, you see them um, you see them making the application process very simplified and it's not um, where most of us fell short probably was um, just the information that we had to put into the application. Often we may be a new company or we didn't do that well with documenting the process over time. Um, but now a lot of that isn't a requirement. And I think it, it has definitely um, helped a lot of us who struggle to get grant or funding for projects to actually get it. Um, I'm starting to see kind of a little bit of a pushback because it was so easy. So now um, it's not being promoted as much. I'm noticing a lot of grants. You have to go to the sites to be able to find it. Um, so I don't want that to then now be, you know, the new Obamacare where they're no longer promoting or marketing it because it was so easy. Uh, and a lot of people were able to get it that were not able to get it before. So that's something that I noticed um, in the midst of all of this because um, it just wasn't possible before. Even if you applied and you did all the things that were necessary, people still wasn't getting it. 
and you see that they if they had the money, they could have done this from the beginning. They could have done this from the beginning. So, you know, it, it's making me look at a lot of these organizations differently now because not only did you see the sexism, sexism and racism um, within them, but you saw, you know, they have the money to be able to do it. They just chose to only give it to these organizations. Is that something that you've been able to see for yourself or uh, am I just crazy for thinking that? No, um, and, and and I noticed the shift as well um, mm -hmm. in of this pandemic. And, you know, I, I completely understand because it was a blitz. It was a shift. A lot of folks were in dire need. So there right. were grants that I was able to get. What I even noticed now is something uh, from the Maryland Arts Council that they have for independent artists. Just the language is different from what it mm -hmm. was six months ago. Um, it's much more rigorous, much many more things that you have to apply for lots uh, or, or, or show that 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 you have done or doing or plan to do um so so just the requirements and the language are, are different mm -hmm. and then even now you know those well-established um theaters are in the pipeline of the grants but you know if i'm if i'm correct me if i'm wrong but just working with grants um from the feldman point of theater actually because i'm a member there now um you would have had to, so you, you never, you never assume that you want to get a grant on the first apply. Like mm -hmm. it's always like the fifth apply, the fourth apply, like those, those, those organizations look to see um, if you are um, repetitive in, in, in applying. Mm -hmm. So after like the fourth time that, that, that they see you, apply then they started looking into who you are you know what this organization or this or this artist is uh who this artist is and right. um yeah so it's not so so like i so what you're saying is true but just talking to a lot of newer artists they get so discouraged and fatigued mm -hmm. when it comes to the whole grant game and which 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 was me because i just didn't know but working with folks who've been working with grants for years um it's not it's not something that you apply for and you're really talented and really good and they give you the money. It's like a whole system of continuously doing it and showing your right. name in their systems. Um, it, but, it, it did force a lot of us to learn what was necessary, but at the same time, it wasn't that anything. I don't, I think in this moment, a lot of stuff was just being given out because they had to use the money and because they weren't able to do normal programming, the money had to go somewhere. I see that. I get all that. And I also understand, you know, there's a rhyme and reason to this. But at the same time, it was just I saw the, the doors being forced open and you had to tell people because then the money wouldn't go anywhere. You couldn't necessarily give one person this million dollar grant. But I just saw, you know, even even, even of, of some of these awards that were just started or were already going on, I start seeing new faces. It wasn't like the old system where if you got this one, you were shooting for that one. And then we just saw this light being shined on these few people over the course of a couple grant seasons. But now you're starting to see people who may have gotten, you know, it because they were a part of this and that, but they're starting to get it, you know, and you're seeing new faces. 
in every grant cycle now, and you're seeing new faces in every award that wouldn't normally properly be seen. And it's not because they're not talented or they're not good, or even that they haven't applied before, but you're just starting to see the advantages be evenly dispersed. And I just want that to be a new push. Don't get, I don't, I, and I'm a person, I don't want you to make room for me. I don't want you to give me anything because then you'll always say, well, I gave you that opportunity. I want to earn it, but I want it to be equally distributed amongst all artists, whether you're, no matter your race or your gender or whatever. I just want it to be an even process. And, and, and I want the people who are looking at these grants to be looking for different things every cycle. You know, or every time they're looking at a grant, what makes this grant not necessarily trying to fill their marketing strategy for their organization, but, you know, or who's the most popular? Really, we're all at an even playing field. And I think this pandemic has forced uh, the givers and the receivers to all be on the same uh, page and the same um, level and not just who's the most popular. Absolutely. What do you want to what do you want to contribute to uh, our art scene here in the DMV that you haven't seen or that you want to contribute? Um, it's always been not 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 always this is like the last couple of years, but this vision that I have of um, a studio here, you know, um, a nice, mm-hmm. well-equipped studio that can handle all styles of performance art. Mm-hmm. And that has no restrictions on allowing black and brown bodies to create their stories and you know, mm-hmm. all, all types of stories, not just slave narratives or coming of age, getting out of the hood stories, but every right. aspect of black and brown <laughs> in the di- diaspora and what stories that we have to offer to uh, to the world. Um, and just uh, but just on that topic alone, I mean, how does it make you feel? to see all of these different streaming sites and different platforms, but it feels like now your story is Noah, my story is Nate, Marnie's, everybody has a platform to be able to tell. That's why I was pushing the streaming sites so much or the digital platforms, because everybody has a right now that we did not feel that we had before to be able to simply tell your story. Um, I think this is a great, great time. I mean, um, is I think the the playing field has been leveled long before Corona, uh, mm-hmm. t- simply because of social media and the ability to reach audiences and create audiences for yourself. There, there are whole um, analytical studies that folks, because of their consistency mm-hmm. with the content that they did, even though in the beginning nobody gave two shits about um, mm-hmm. because, because of their persistency, they have built a successful audience, a, a, a consistent audience for themselves. Um, so social media is great. It is needed, especially now. Um, that's, mm-hmm. the only, that's, that's the only way folks know, know that, that you are alive and that, and that you're still relevant um, is the updates on, on social media. Um, it, so it's, it is absolutely pertinent. And I think, you know, just going back uh, to what you were saying about those folks who don't want to adapt, I think if they just change their thinking, 
they will realize that everything that is expected of them now is things that they've already been doing. Mm-hmm. That put it together in a in a way that works for the format now. Right, the rules have kind of opened up. I want I don't want to say they changed or evolved even, but I think the 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 it's opened up. So now it's the best time to get in there and reconstruct a lot of the processes and and the way things have been the status quo um, and change that and alter that and expand that. I'm looking at a season that included uh, P-Valley and Lovecraft Country and all the other and just things that would not normally get a primetime spotlight or or any mention. And it'd be something that is just you know, done in a way and, and is on an obscure platform that you really can't see. And I think the other thing now is it's forcing the audience to go out and look for things. It's not just going to be on the TGIF Friday lineup. You got to go out and actively pursue, you know, our things. We learned that with the Black Panther. If people have to make the choice to support. They have to make the choice to go out there and and really see what's out there and and not just wait for a menu item to scroll up so you can see what's what's good or interesting or even with social media now because of the the dumpster that just been was fired um, a lot of restrictions are put on us. So now the audience member, the spectator, the supporter the ticket buyer has to go out now and look at, you know, and create their own algorithm. And now we're understanding I'm in charge of the algorithm of things that I see. And it's not just going to be, you can't just buy, you know, a slot. And because you have more money, I can get more attention. You know, we've basically seen throughout this pandemic, we are on the same level as somebody who's been doing this on a, on a much larger scale than us. So we're we're on commercial on the level of a commercial artist. Um, in terms of um, financial gain, what are you what are you learning about the business? I've seen you um, focus more in our conversations, and what I've seen outside of that, I've seen you focus more on the business side of what you're doing. What have you learned um, about that side that you didn't know before? Um, just um, knowing what you're worth. Um. Yeah, that's 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 that is the biggest lesson that I've that I've learned is knowing what you're worth and you know just having I'm blessed to have a good team around me. Um so we've crafted um even now updated to the current state of the world um contracts, independent artist contracts for myself. Um so if you know if it is little one-off pro- projects that isn't SAG or union based, um mm-hmm. making sure that I'm still rep, rep- represented and taken care of and um that there is legal language you know there's any issues with payment or if there's issues of my safety um as you were saying um Mm -hmm. with these projects if i feel i have in my con contract if i feel like i'm you know the producer or the set isn't maintaining uh you know safe safety that i can back out at at any time you know you know just just things of of that so don't me not waiting for i don't know someone to drop a union card on my lap um mm-hmm. 
operating as if I am a union and knowing what I'm worth. And um, yeah, it's a it's a it's a tricky business, uh, especially just negotiating contracts with producers. Um, it's very very interesting how how the feel and the language uh, switches and emails because it's mm-hmm. like. Oh yeah, you 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 audition. You did great. We really want to have you. Um, you know, here's the shoot dates. Here are the things that we need from you, Noah. And then when you hit him with, okay, yeah, that's that's great. I have everything. I have everything in place. Oh, by the way, um, here's here's my independent artist contract. Here are the things that I'm expecting, and uh, let's let's talk about pay. Then all of a sudden, mm-hmm. like this bubbly language is. And now. we had that conversation sure. at the beginning of this year. Was it last year or the beginning of this year? It was the beginning and, of this year. Right. And discovering how people uh, address you after you get that serious. And that's something that for the, maybe the last five years I've had to deal with because people will call you difficult. And now you understand why a Monique is called difficult mm-hmm. or why somebody isn't taken seriously because, you know, they were trying to get over with them, you know, and, and I, and I get it. You know, many of the projects that you and I have both tried to do uh, separately, of course, um, you don't always have funding for it. You know, I remember interviewing Max and him saying budget is the budget is what he makes, (laughs) you know, and him putting a lot of his own money and his own time and making that money to be able to put into a new production. Um, So we're we're getting it. But at some point, you have to take something seriously. Like, do I have a piece of the ownership of this? You know, am I I promised a portion of the, you know, sales? And we know we can't do that because we're in a space where sales are unpredictable. So what then becomes the the kind of bartering system that we're doing? Uh, I'm I'm into... um learning a lot about sponsorships and endorsement deals. Mm-hmm. Um, so right now... It's, it's, and I'm, I'm amazed at where you are right now because before, you just wanted to do the work. Yeah. You just wanted to do the work. And you didn't realize doing the work is this. This, yeah. this is a big part of doing the work. Even if you have a manager or agent or a booking uh, specialist, you, you still have to do the work. Like you can't just be a creative in a vacuum because, you know, we have many stories of people being an artist in a vacuum because they get taken advantage of, you know, or they appear to be taken advantage. But you gave somebody her blanche to tell you what to do and then give you your work. Yeah, um, it's it's a I'm not going to say it's a juggling match. It's just hunkering down, focusing yourself as the artist, um, because mm-hmm. you are right. Um, oh, oh, and just just in, in terms of sponsorships and endorsement deals, um, you know, me being an actor and a director, you know, it's always a system of I need employment. Like somebody else is employing me to do something. So just putting the power back in my hands and employing mm-hmm. myself as the entity, like Noah is mm-hmm. working money to be here or to wear this and to do that so now noah silas thousand face man is is incorporated so now like if that tagline is used that's money for me or now you know i mean of course it comes with social capital and doing certain shows to position yourself as far as an audience but Mm-hmm. I, I have an Acon contract that if you want me to be here for this 
place or this party, then that's uh, revenue for me. And it doesn't have to be money. You know, it, it could be uh, a social revenue or just a bargaining system or just whatever, whatever mm-hmm. means that that can get for both parties. Um, but at that, at that same token, you're thinking about all this business stuff. Um, you know, how, how do I make my money that I make from, you know, a six month rehearsal or three month rehearsal flip? How do I do investments in other shows and things like, like, like that? So, so you're thinking of all of this, but at the same token, you are an artist. So mm-hmm. me, I'm an actor. So I have to like get in character and I'm not like, I haven't found the ability to like switch on and switch off. Like it's a process for me. I really have to not, not that I'm like ultrally method, but there are aspects of method that I follow. Like I need to take time to find this, this person and massage and engage it. So. But just being a moment of it. There are yeah. many times in rehearsal where we're rehearsing for a play and somebody does something that does not fit you. Now you have the vocabulary or you're learning the vocabulary to speak up in that moment. Like, no, I don't want to do an extra hour. No, I'm not going to wait till production week to take this seriously. So we're not going to just keep running through these rehearsals for the months that you have me. When we get here, we got to rehearse. We got to, this is the thing that I expect. And then, you know, you know, in theater, sometimes we, the production week is when everything comes together. No, because I don't have time to be here until midnight. So, but you now have the vocabulary to be able to say that. And before, Many people looked at, I know I've been looked at as difficult because I'm not sitting in rehearsal for no reason until one or two o'clock in the morning, unless, you know, we're really in the midst of something and it's, you know, we got to get this, you know, together. But other than that, you know, knowing your worth is knowing how to, I, I, I think you, you knew your worth, you knew you were talented, you knew you had a dollar amount that is acceptable. You knew what that was. It was just to ask. You you had a hard time asking for it because, you know, are they going to give it to me? Are they going to give me the job? I, I recall that uh, it was the beginning of this year where we, <laughs> where we got that email from that person who did not want to take you seriously uh, when it came to you having uh, representation. And, and look how their attitude towards you changed once you took yourself seriously. And any other time we would say, well, no, let's just work this. No, uh-uh. But you just showed me who you will be in rehearsal. You showed me who you was gonna be. Absolutely. Um, and and just that that ide- ideology, all of that is changing. Um, mm-hmm. just mysticism and tyranny when it when it comes to directors and producers and theater. That that right. those walls are being breaking down. Um, e- even um, how I approach being a director is very uh, you know, actor friendly. Mm-hmm. Um, I try to maintain a safe space and be in a collaborative effort. And uh, just you, you always have to be leery um, and humans are humans. So Mm -hmm. you can never really fulfill everyone's needs, but you can try your darnness to maintain a space that needs could be met if you only simply allow yourself to be there. So I am a very collaborative director. Um, I, I have a vision. And that vision, um, I work hard to craft that. Um, but I'm an avid believer of the teachings of how to win friends and influence people. So there are certain ways that you have to approach human beings. And um, 
you know, um, <laughs> just thinking about the, the the last play that I directed, there was one of the actors who felt that I was uh, very hands off. You know, they felt that they had to do a lot of the character work for themselves and I wasn't there. Uh, I wasn't available for them. Um, and thinking back on that, I always say I, I would never change the way I approached it simply because mm-hmm. the show was um, a success and that particular person performed phenomenally, even though they were used to a director giving them every step of the way. Um, I trusted their intelligence, even if they didn't trust themselves. Did you communicate that with them? Oh, oh yeah, ab- absolutely. And and um, mm-hmm. I, I always, um, even before the pandemic, I have like two hour two hour long conversations with every actor before we even start rehearsal so we can have an understanding of character development. You like some meets? What is going on? I'm a different person when I'm Oh, wow. I see. I can clearly, I can clearly see. I can, I understand this now. I I just so amazed to watch this young man grow up like and learn and grow and adapt. Who are you? But it it it's you know and for me that's even my my teaching style or my learning style I've learned how to just wait and see you know versus trying to force things or to push things just wait and see mm-hmm. you know because eventually someone will come around or walk away and I mean I can get what I what I want from you but I want it to be. Not 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 like manipulation, but I always follow the method of like the movie Inception. Like, you know, a thought a thought will last longer and have much more weight or depth if it if it emanates from yourself, right? So mm-hmm. I know as a director what I want from you and what I want from you in the scale of the play. You already have an idea of who this character is because you've been working on it. You work on it long more you have more alone time with the character than you have with the other actors and me mm-hmm. so my i don't want to completely break that down because there are aspects of that that is real and true that's going to make it authentic uh, to give an authentic right. performance from that actor and always letting letting your performers know um this is how i've done it it's not a standard is is very helpful because then that begins to break that habit in performers working with the same people um, over and over again and and learning bad habits from that because then you don't you know and you can do that with working with the best director in the world you can develop those same habits because when you go out and you get a not so good director or not to the standard that that other director was you are crippled yeah. And you often walk away from things that could have been could have been worked out. And you have and we have to remember as actors as well, um they are we're we're humans. People are different. Um you know, being a director is not just being talented and creative and putting things together. You know, you have to have good time management skills, good organizational skills. There's a lot of life skills that come with directing that a lot mm. of directors don't have. They they have the 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 vision and the creativity, but a lot of the like you could have the the vision, the organization, but you're just really bad with mingling humans, you know, having humans work for your benefit and work together. So but uh, this, but also as performers, you have to understand just like you have a learning style, 
directors have a teaching style and not every and it may appear that that director doesn't know because we know directors that phone it in every night for rehearsal we we know a lazy director that have gotten there through personality alone and not through any skill set but at the same time there's a teaching style to every learning style so you got to be able to you know pivot yourself no matter where you are to be able to be in line with where that person is coming from and the platform they have absolutely and that's that's why my ideology is not to break down your walls but to um work with you to guide you to where not what i want but what the character needs and what the play needs um chicken or the egg did this 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 aha moment come from being an actor or from a director oh always from being from from being an actor that's that's mm-hmm. that's what i am that's who i am um and what i did first uh, i stumbled upon directing um simply because acting doesn't always keep you busy so you always kind of wear you know multiple hats but i love directing because um i love that collaborative effort and i love to see how you know i love the challenge of having to shape and mold a production right you know you have these different personalities and i love the challenge of working with them to craft them into this character to help the overall you know arc of the play in their in their stories you know it's mm-hmm. it's a it's a, it's an interesting challenge the divas the the humble folk the method the snap-on folks the folks who don't learn lines until the, the, the day of the show you know just maintaining that you know it's it's very humbling and on the flip side it teaches me as an actor, what I should and should not be doing when I'm acting, when I am um, employed to be character development, you know, and, and such, you know, I, I I understand the stress and I understand the position of being a director. So when I'm acting, I always try to make his job less stressful, at least coming from my end. And I was going to mention that when we were talking about contracts and all those things, uh, because once you know your worth and you're not afraid to uh, verbalize your worth and then you're taking, you know, certainty, now you're able to show up at two rehearsals on time because you know the work that goes into it and you know what you ask for and getting that. Now you're showing up on time. You are being cooperative with the director and the tech, various directors that work on a uh, a production. But you're also able to, you know, see how you are in in relationship with others. And that's why I say pay people, because when you pay people, they do the job that's asked of them. You always have somebody who don't want to do nothing. But more so than not, pay people because then they'll do what you're asking them to do. Versus, you know, you nickel and diamond or not paying at all. And people are like, well, I got something else to do tonight. Let me let me go. Nope. Contractually, you're here with me and you agree to that. And if you don't want to do that, you are replaceable. So that idea of it, you know, I learned that, you know, from my professor before I was getting paid for anything. But a lot of performers don't because they're not getting paid. So they're they're waiting to be professional when they get paid, not knowing that has to come first and then that comes. But, you know, in many cases, 
paid people. You know, that idea of sponsorship is very significant to theater because we never think about sponsorship because that's normally a job that's happening in the front office and not in, you know, the green room. <laughs> but uh, sponsorship helps because it helps you to pay people. I'll give you a scenario, even if you aren't with any but any uh, actor in Baltimore City. Just, just, just think about this for a second. Mm-hmm. Um, you're not held to any particular theater company. So, like, I'm a member of Buzz Company Theater, member of Rapid Lemon, blah, blah, blah. But let's say I did a show at, I don't know, like, Arena Players, or it was a theater company that rented out theater projects or Motorhouse, something like, like that. Mm-hmm. I'm a local, you are a local actor in the city. You, you, you go to events, your, your marketing and advertisement stuff on Facebook and Instagram is great. You have followers, you, you show your face, you have social capital. Let's say you, you've been reaching out to Natty Bo for, I don't know, for however many months, starting conversations with them, getting deals and things. You do a show at the Motorhouse or theater projects or a, a theater that has a bar and you have connections with Natty Bo. Now you're using sponsorships to get natable beers in there to be sold. And now you're cutting on that profit margin. You're building relationships with, with, with those theaters. There's a lot of collateral that comes into it. And that's a local brand, your local brand. So think, so think about that. Like you, mm-hmm. you yourself are the entity. So you're mm-hmm. being in, I, I mean, I, I, I hate to say this, but that's what a lot of, Casting directors are taking into consideration now when they hire folks. They're looking at your social media um, following to see how many people could potentially come see my show because I had right. you. So use that format to get these endorsements and these sponsorships locally. There are a lot of local brands that you could collaborate with. Don't mm-hmm. I, 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 I tell you what, I am working. I'm a master. I'm teaching a master class at Baltimore School School for the Arts now. Um, and I have been since the beginning of maybe at the last week of October. That was something that I reached out to an old teacher in August with. My friend encouraged me like, hey, like start building relationships. Just you reach out, say what you've been doing and what you plan and blah, blah, blah. Like I'm thinking, you know, I I have to do a bunch of shows and I have to be on in the Baltimore Sun a bunch of times for Baltimore for, for, for my old high school to recognize me. But no, me simply reaching out, having starting a line of communication. Now I'm getting paid for my school to teach one hour twice, twice a week, which is now on on online. And and now I can use them for for references or if I want to sponsor up a show now I, I have them. So just reaching out like it. It may work, it may not, but you'll never know until you send mm-hmm. the email, you know, until you know what you're worth. And I, I mean, many, all of this is, um, I'm just, I'm still stuck on the fact that you, you meeting with people for two hours. I'm just, you know, that's where I'm at. But I'm, I'm all of this in a lump sum is is very important for any performer, any artist in general, any entrepreneur, any person who want to do something more than what they're doing now. You have to take the steps to defining who you are and kind of carving out. Because even for me, I, I put a lot into what I was doing for other people. And I looked up and I was like, well, what am I doing for me? And I began to really 
uh, itemize and, and look at those things and take my own advice and really put, you know, funnel that energy back into me. And that really has made a difference in um, how I'm perceived. And I noticed, you know, um, I've stopped communicating with a lot of people just because I want to I want to focus on me you know, and, and making everything about what you're doing versus who you are can leave you in a space of not being happy with where you are. Um, so it really does make a difference, but you have to really want it. It, it doesn't, um, it won't come to you uh, always. Sometimes you, it just, things just stumble into certain people's laps all the time, but for the most part, we have to really be serious about what we want, how we want it, how we're going to go get it, and, and all the things that it will take to get us there. So, you know, making sure things are financially good for you and making sure you have a, you know, a stable life so you can be in these things. Because often here in Baltimore, the reason center stage or many of these places did not cast many of us because we had all these life situations and given circumstances that kept us from being consistent. Uh, so when that happens, we often don't have the 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 know-how to just clear our schedules to focus on what we're doing. But that has to be something you're doing all the time, not just because a big name has called you. Um, as we close out today, um, what are some of the things that um, you want to um, leave with listeners and people who, who may be tuned in um, in terms of who you are? as an artist, as a brand, uh, as a possible candidate for something that they may have? Absolutely. Um, my tagline is Noah Silas, the thousand face man, the, the distinguished, the eccentric. Um, I'm an actor and director, uh, born and raised in Baltimore, Maryland. Um, I have credits that span all the way to Guilford, England. Um, I approach my craft both be it on stage or behind the scenes, um, mm -hmm. with punctuality, humbleness, and a sense of collaboration, and you know, just a sense of family and ensemble. You know, we are working together. Even if I am a director, I need the input of everybody on board because that's how we get the best product, the best work. Um, if mm -hmm. I am on on stage, I do dedicate myself to the work always in the script even even if we are two weeks into a run or what what have you just re rediscovering and keeping the sense of urgency and and love for for the piece um i don't know acting is a part of the fabric of my skin i love it i took the leap of faith december of 2019 and i can be tra transparent with you i worked for a nonprofit organization that had me, you know, to be able to teach theater in Baltimore City Public Schools. I was um, promoted to be an assistant program manager. I oversaw the uh, the after school programs for the organization. It was one month I made a good like $6,000 and me being a young man getting that, that, that for something that was fulfilling was great. But even with that, I still took the leap of faith to um, do this full time. So even if that doesn't mean that I'm actively in the show, I'm studying or reading mm -hmm. lines or doing monologues or doing voice voiceover work. Um, and I'm starting to realize that it's not necessarily what you do on the ball, you know, all the shows you do, the credits that you require, that's important and, and it's a necessity. 
but it's you building in your craft. If it's the behind the scenes, it's the in the house, the process, the learning that when you hone into that, that's when the opportunity starts rolling in, not mm-hmm. the bombardment of credits. And that, and that is, you know, that was a mouthful that you just gave us. Um, but staying true to who you are um, and being honest about who you are and where you are, um, and everybody doesn't deserve your truth, your complete truth, but being really open to change and opportunity and growth um, is very important, along with everything that you just said um, to many of the young and older artists out there and entrepreneurs in general. Um, Listening to, you know, taking criticism and being able to learn something and not being afraid to grow or um, leaving something where you were doing well, but things happen. So now what? Um, uh, and, and, and often being too comfortable, being too comfortable in a situation that is just lucrative. You know, um, I didn't have a doubt that you would take yourself seriously because you always have. It's more so um, understanding that mindset that you are your commodity. You are your brand as an artist in general, you are the talent, no matter what your artistry is, you are that product that's being sold and, and, and not falling into, I got to get the bills paid. Even now, you know, focusing on making yourself financially stable, but you know, a number of my professors have always told me when you chase money, you'll always end up in a circle. You'll always end up chasing it. So make the money and create those streams of revenue that you are currently in. Don't go and sell Avon if you're not an Avon dealer. Don't do that. You know, make your streams of income something that is viable to you, that is a part of who you are, that is something that won't feel like work to you. But I wish you a lot of success in all that you're doing. And I really appreciate you coming on. And you're always welcome. You don't have to wait to just promote something. but. Um, uh, is there, you got a minute or so left. Is there anything else you want to market or promote? Um, no, I, I, speaking of contracts, it's a, it's a few things that I've done that I have to review over again because I'm not sure how much I can about it without mm. being, you know, without some issues. Um, but I do know that I have something in the pipeline that's going to be widely available for Merlin in the, in the school systems, both both private, public, county, and city. Um, mm-hmm. I have a TV show that I was a part of. I think I can say say the name. It's my. It's called My My African Love. It's going to be on Netflix uh, summer of 2021. Um, and yeah, that's pretty much it. You know, I've been doing a lot of little monologue videos and just keeping the real mm-hmm. fresh to keep the producers who are scoping um, there. But yeah, that's that, that's pretty much it. Find me on Instagram, brother underscore Noah underscore um in twitter it's the same way brother underscore noah underscore and yeah uh stay updated on noah silas the thousand face man the distinguished the eccentric and the next time he come on his ass better have something that i'm in 
Oh yeah, that's new. Yes. Uh huh. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. Oh, okay. see, no, because you're so scared. I can't use you after with things even down. You what you mean, scared, sir? Right. Why, why am I scared? Because I'm cautious. You are, you are vigilant. You are cautious. So when things are acceptable for you to come outside, then I will. I will. I will bring you on. So that shows how much he's communicated with me in this in life. Yeah, but uh, that's been the Artist Exchange Radio Show. Uh, this is Noah Salas. Definitely follow him completely. Uh, and next up is Cocktail Social. So I'm out of here. Peace out. Oh, I said thanks for the t-shirt. Somebody sent me. It's going to be t-shirt. So if you got something you want me to do, I'm on it.